uh, welcome back to the continuing misadventures of fishing with that bait. Uh, we're here to inform you that our intrepid host has the train back on the tracks and is following good orderly direction. You've stumbled into our world, which is a world of full impact mindfulness, where we help people create themselves rather than find themselves. The only entrance requirement is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. If you have a few pixie dust sprinkles of that, grab a canoe, there's plenty of seats, and start rowing. Let the adventure begin. Well, today we're joined by one of our most interesting guests, uh, the insightful and delightful Regina Badger. Welcome back, Regina. Hello. Thank you for having me back. So often what we find is our talk before the show is more interesting than the show itself. <laughs> uh, but however, uh, what we'd like to do is explore some different types of items, particularly uh, I found you incredibly insightful. Originally, we had booked you as a professional wrestler, but we found that there was shades way deeper than that. It's like going to the bottom of the ocean and still going down. So we're going to, I'd like to explore some of the insightful things that you shared at the end of our last podcast, particularly with uh, Jordan Peterson. And we talked about the psychology of the scriptures. And you had mentioned something to me before about identifying yourself as a Christian and other people looking askance at you for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jordan Peterson's lectures and writings were absolutely crucial in my journey back to the divine. Um, it's, it's interesting because when I first started listening and reading to him, even though I was starting to get the call to like come back home to God, I was still, there was still that little bit of ego that was like, oh, this guy talks about God a lot. And he talks about the scriptures a lot. And I would almost, I don't want to say hit mute, but I would turn the volume down when he would talk about that. But then as I dove into it and dove into more of his lessons, the lesson that stood out the most to me was he was doing this lecture and he was talking about if you need a goal to aim for, is you want to be the strongest person at your father's funeral. And that really struck me because at that time I was dealing with my mom's cancer diagnosis. And when you get some news like that, you have to be realistic about the outcomes, you know, because she's older, you know, breast cancer runs in the family and everyone before her kind of had the same fate. So you have to really like kind of swallow that pill. And so I heard that and that just led me to kind of go more and more down the rabbit hole. And again, there were some things I was like, mm, that doesn't really resonate with me or I don't really agree with his opinion on that. But I didn't want to discredit all the other things that resonated. And then as time went on, as my journey continued, I was introduced to the scriptures in a whole new way that despite all the years I went to Catholic school, all the years that I had grown up in a Catholic home, no one had ever explained like the meaning in those stories. Like I could talk to you for days about the dogma, the person, the place, the time, the ritual, whatever you want to call it. But no one said, this is how you apply this lesson uh -huh. when you face this moment in your life and what it means to carry your cross, bear your burden, except that people are going to betray you and you're still going to forgive them. Or what I've been applying in my life lately, 
and I know this word doesn't resonate with people, but it resonates with me, is working towards being the most Christ-like I can be. And the fun part of that is it also includes all the times I still make mistakes. Okay, so say more about, are you talking about Old Testament scripture? Are you talking about New Testament? What are you talking about? So I would say for me, I I am probably more familiar with New Testament, um, but I have been diving back into the Old Testament. Um, Peterson actually just put on YouTube, he did this deep dive with a bunch of other acclaimed scholars into again, the meaning of those stories and what it means to like put yourself kind of in Moses's shoes and those meaning about like, you know, you get out of the grip of tyranny and now you're in the desert with the snakes and there's no food and where's this land of milk and honey we were promised. And to the point that you forget, you're, you forget that you were delivered out of that and you're almost craving the tyranny because it's what you know. And it's the same thing as sometimes what you see is like, oh, this reminds me of home. Well, if that home wasn't healthy, then that's not the place to build shelter. So what you're kind of telling me is that people who spend a lot of time trying to prove that Noah's Ark existed are missing the point behind all the story. They they could be. Um, I never want to discredit anyone's beliefs or something that resonates with them. But it's more for the people who, like we were talking earlier, you know, when people realize that I've kind of converted into what would best describe it as Christianity, they kind of, I see it. Like, I just had it happen over the weekend where I was with a group of friends and I forget what joke I made. Oh, I know a joke I made. So um, me and my boyfriend went as um, like Roman, uh, like togas <laughs> for Halloween. And I was made a joke. I was like, yeah, I was putting this costume on as a Roman and kind of realized I'm in a little bit of a spiritual conundrum here <laughs> <laughs> with the story. And they kind of didn't get it. And as like the conversation continued and it got into more like life and that they kind of realized like, wait, you're a Christian? And I totally get why that throws people off because I was so deep into like Satanism and just being very anti-God very loudly that I can understand where people are like, what's with the flip-flop? And I watched them when I said, I'm a Christian. I watched it change in their eyes. And I almost had to say, hold on. Before you completely rewire how you look at me, despite the fact that you've known me for how many years, you've invited me into your home, you've shared personal details with me, but you're about to literally change the way you view me. Let me put you on pause and try to explain this very intimate relationship that I've cultivated with the divine. I like that. Let's put things on pause while I explain things to you. Excellent. Right, because I totally understand how sometimes we do just see things at face value. It's it's kind of in our instinct to be like, is this danger or is this safe? Like, I, I get it. And again, I've been there. I've been there where I've judged too quickly or immediately like saw people wearing a crucifix and was like, oh, like you're part of my pain too. And it's <laughs> like that person had nothing to do with my story. But trying to explain to people that while others have weaponized Christianity, 
I am just trying to use it to live a meaningful life. And another Petersonism that I kind of latched on to was a lot of people like to put him on the spot because he does all this work with the scriptures. And they'll be like, well, do you believe in God? And he says things like, well, it depends on what you mean by God. And it's the same thing of what you mean. What does it mean to be a Christian? You know, I don't go to church. I have a very personal relationship with God and Jesus. I don't go to church because I'll be truthful. I've tried going to church and I do not feel like it amplifies. If anything, it kind of felt like it muted the connection that I have. So does that make me a bad Christian? Because I don't feel like I have to go to this specific place. But when I sit at my altar at home and I'm meditating and I'm praying and I'm trying to read a chapter in the morning of the Bible and try to see what I get out of it, does that make me a good Christian? But does the other thing, because I don't go to church, negate that? So it's it's like you can't you can't bookend it. You can't put these brackets and you have to almost, again, step back and pause and not put your personal pain into someone else's definition. So what do you think these people were? What is their perspective when you said that you were a Christian and they looked at you? What do you think their perception of Christian was? It's it's probably how, unfortunately, some of the most hateful people I've come across and the most narrow-minded people um, do tend to obviously have very strong, loud affiliations with the Catholic Church and the Christian Church. And, you know, it's it's also, I don't think I should suffer the consequences of people who have used the church and abused others. I should not be condemned for those same crimes because I have, again, a relationship with God. And I choose to wear, you know, like my cross as a reminder every day of like, God is with me and no matter what's going on, like that's what it does for me. It's no different than the crystal you keep in your pocket. It's no different than that favorite t-shirt that just makes you kind of feel at home. Everybody has it. It's just some people, some people it's Buddhism, some people it's Christianity, but it's all, we all just, I think, whether some people realize it or not, we want to think that there is something bigger than us that put us here for a reason. Well, it'd be awfully arrogant to think that we were the only, we were the end all and be all. So I know I've often explained to people, and we've talked before, you and I, about our uh, podcast that we did on Jesus the Socialist in explaining that Jesus' message was love, compassion, and forgiveness. And a person who does not have love, compassion, and forgiveness is the main foundation of their life. And they want, might want to redefine it, how they identify themselves. And I want to tell you that I went back and watched that episode because that was a good lesson for me. Because same thing I'm just talking about is I had to remember my own thought process because I have a knee-jerk reaction to socialism because, again, there are people who have weaponized and, I think, corroded that essence of what socialism is. And for me, it's hard because sometimes I see that and I'm like, there is no way. And it's like, well, hold on. Are you applying? Again, I'm applying my personal experience to your definition. 
So I have to, again, remind myself to pause, step back, and just listen to it without judgment, without condemning before you even get to the end of the podcast. So I'm really glad you did that episode because that was a great lesson for me of like, hey, just remember your place too. Well, that's contemporary investigation. So what we tried to do during that episode, Regina, is to clearly define the terms of fascism and communism and socialism. And uh, I think we either irritated some people or confirmed uh, their beliefs that Mike and I were crazy uh, when we said that uh, Jesus is the architect of socialism. And in my firm belief, yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I often ask people, what were the three musketeers? Uh, what was their motto? All for one and one for all. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look back through the New Testament, quite often what I ask people to do is look at the New Testament through the eyes of mindfulness and just read Jesus's words. So he gathered together 10 of the most stubborn, fearful men he could possibly find. And he was almost, he almost would get in front of them and shake them when they wanted to talk about the future and about the fear. He would, his, one of his favorite lines was, I'm right here. I'm right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone that needs maybe uh, a new lens or to pause and revisit it. Um, I've been diving into the chosen series and Oh my God, they're, they're retelling that in such a beautiful way. That's easy to like, again, I've been immersing myself in it the past couple of years. And I watch that and I get, I get choked up watching that show because I'm like, it puts you again in this human experience of what, of what that lesson is of like, yeah, when you're anxious, trust me, you know, like I know I am the way, the truth and the light. And if you just come to me, there's something better. There's something, all this pain that you're so focused on and saying, where were you? Where were you? I'm right here if you see me. Well, it's, uh, most people wouldn't understand if creation was happening 10 feet away from them. (laughs) There's so much chatter going on in their heads. Uh, I don't share this story very often. But in my uh, second psychiatric hospital, I was uh, put in because I had uh, thought it would really be a really good idea to kill myself. So I landed in this hospital, and one day I got called up to the head shed to get another interview by a psychiatrist. But when I got there, I found out that the, uh, my roommate had turned me in. He thought I was disturbed. So keeping in mind that we were not roommates at the Holiday Inn, okay, uh, I was a little, I was more than perturbed. So it was the shortest interview I ever had with a psychiatrist. I sat down, and this guy looked at me. This is brutal in the olden days. and He had somebody there taking the dictation, taking notes of the, the transcript of our conversation. And it was the shortest interview ever. He said, Mr. Ellermeyer, I understand you pray. And I said, well... I believe so, because I was slightly acquainted with the 12-step world at the moment. And he says, tell me, Jim, what is prayer? And uh, I said, well, I believe it's talking to God, talking to a friend. He goes, oh, you talk to God, do you? And uh, I kind of knew where this conversation was going. I said, yes. And he said, uh, does God talk to you? And I said, well, I like to think so. And then he asked me the question. He said, do you hear God talk to you? So I was pretty irritated. And I said, of course I do. Don't you? 
And I saw him, he'd nodded, and I saw him right at, right at the bottom of this paper, psychotic. Mm-hmm. So he dismissed me, and I'm walking back down the hall, and I'm thinking, well, Jim, you just uh, you just punched your ticket to Mayview, which was an old psychiatric hospital. Somebody burned down, thank goodness. And it was outside of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm coming back to my room, and they, they had moved my roommate out of the room because I knew that wouldn't have gone well if he were there. So I sat down there and I thought, you know what? I have to talk to somebody sane. And there wasn't a sane person in that place. Patients, doctors, nurses, aides, no one. So I'm sitting there and I asked them, I said, this was in Greensburg, which was at the time Catholic Central. So I uh, I said, I want to talk to a priest. Mm. Even though I wasn't a practicing Catholic at the time, but I had to talk to someone sane. Yeah. So they called the dioceses, and nothing happens by mistake. This priest's name was Father Raphael. He answered the phone, mm-hmm. and he was there in 20 minutes. Wow. He sat down with me, and he listened to every word that I said intently, active listening to me. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say much at the end, but he, he validated my uh, concerns. And then he said, Jim, he's there. I want to tell you something. God talks to everybody. Very few people listen. And he said, Jim, God talks to everybody. Very few people listen. That was a long time ago, but that stuck with me. Yeah. Not only do we have prayer, we actually have to listen. Yeah. I think people struggle, too, because part of having that relationship divine is recognizing that when people talk about, you know, God made us in his image, well, that means that you kind of are God because, again, I have, a very, I have a very confident feeling with myself that, again, I am the universe experiencing myself. And that's why, like, everything is possible and you can create heaven on earth because if the universe could create me and put me here, then I have that ex- same, exact same energy. And if I try hard enough, I can make these things happen that seem impossible. It's the reason that, you know, these giant skyscrapers are standing. Like, it's things that shouldn't even exist. Like, here we are creating it. And every day we're almost almost, uh, chaotically rolling a little bit into progress. But that's a whole other conversation. But the story, like, when you were talking about it, you were talking about resonates with one of the stories that hit me pretty hard. And I'm going to paraphrase it terribly because I unfortunately can't, almost like, uh, uh, how do I want to put this? I have a hard time uh, reiterating certain things because I process it so deeply in my mind that sometimes I can't say it as eloquently as I would like. It's on my list of things to do in 2024 is to kind of uh, advance my vocabulary a little bit. But the story of the prodigal son where he wandered so far from the father and when he came back, the father was waiting with open arms And that really summarizes my journey. Like, I think about that a lot. Like, God was right there with me, waiting. He's like, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you get this anger out. I know the devil has you. And when I say devil, it's not, you know, not a little red man (laughs) with a pitchfork. Like, that's not it. Because I truly believe that you are just as, as, just as much as you're capable of creating heaven on earth, we are capable of creating hell on earth. And it's through our ego, it's through our judgment, it's through our intent to only see the world through a certain lens. 
And if you just set that down, if you just come to the table to talk and not come to the table to say, I'm going to be right by the end of this conversation, if you, if you do that, it's so much easier on the soul. And you might learn something. You might look, leave the table with a new perspective. And even if it's something as simple as, huh, like maybe not every Christian hates the LGBT community. Maybe not every Christian. Like I'll give a personal example. So post my uh, converting back to Christianity, my new appreciation of life. Um, I used to be for my, and I want to say this gently with myself. I was very pro-choice for me. And having these profound experiences and realizing what a gift and a true miracle life is, I am not that way. However, I still think that all women should have safe, reliable access to abortion, and it's none of the churches. They're not even really the medical systems. They just have to be there to assist. And I think it should be accessible, and I think it should be safe. And again, that's not something I would do, but that doesn't mean that I think that should be the way for everybody. That throws a lot of people off when we open up the Christian conversation, because obviously I'm sure there's a ton of Christians right now who are like, how could you say that? How could you think that people, you know, should have that option? And it's like, because it's not my life. And if you truly believe in free will and freedom of choice, you're going to make sure that you don't end up oppressing somebody because of what your comfort zone is. Yes, when we try to impose the template of our life upon others, that that's tremendous ego, thinking mm -hmm. that everyone should behave according to the template of my life. Ah, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, the insightful and truly delightful Regina Badger, gaining her insights on her life and her fantastic insights, even though we often don't agree on everything. We can agree on that we're friends, and we all find a common solution together. And I hope you get something out of our conversation, and if you do, we'd appreciate any helpful comments or criticisms of this show. And as always, get your uh, prescription pads out, folks. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables, unplug your television, and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. If we're all not God's children, none of us are. Please be good to yourself today and every day. Namaste, my friends. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.